We've got a slew of White Sox news and some analysis on this year's best rookie pitchers. Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. <laughs> I have That's not had uh, three co-brews uh, yet. It works great in a fantasy league. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15 on The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Tuesday, October 13th. I'm Al Melkier. I am here with Derek Van Riper and DVR. Uh, I think we should just begin here by wishing uh, Tommy Pham a speedy recovery. He had uh, surgery on Monday uh, for a stab wound he sustained on on Sunday night in his lower back. Um, so uh, hopefully uh, hopefully that's uh, not, it, uh, not more serious than, uh, than at least initial reports uh, suggest that it is. Yeah, definitely a scary situation, but one that could have been a lot worse based on uh, what we know right now. So all the best to Tommy Pham as he recovers. Absolutely. Um, So uh, we've got a whole bunch of White Sox news. There was a uh, press conference um, by uh, Rakan, and uh, we'll get to all the elements of that in a bit. But uh, on Monday in the uh, NLCS, um, Braves and Dodgers, we had an early exit from Adam Duvall with an oblique injury. Sounds like there's a very good chance he's going to miss the rest of postseason, however uh, long that does last for the Braves. And uh, DVR, I've had Duvall on my mind anyway. I've made several references over the last few episodes to the too early mock draft that I'm uh, participating in. I think I've also made several references to the fact that I'm having a heck of a time filling my uh, five outfield slots. And I had a a, a real sort of dilemma about what to do with Adam Duvall because he really had a, a pretty nice season this year, especially from a fantasy perspective, just a 237 batting average, but 16 homers, 33 RBIs, uh, 34 runs. So certainly helping a lot in those categories, but you've got that on the one hand. And then on the other hand, you've got a fairly extended track record of him being sort of a fourth outfielder type. So does he belong in a uh, 12 team five outfielder league? Uh, is he maybe, is there enough there to draft him as your third outfielder? Is that where where do you see him? I think he fits in leagues like that, probably as a fifth outfielder or as a bench outfielder, because if he ends up in a situation as good as the one he's in right now with the Braves, then you're getting cheap power with probably above average run production. I think the problem that a lot of us run into with Adam Duvall is that the slash line, at least the average and the OBP, are a little unsightly. And we get so hung up on that that we look right past the fact that he does have legitimate 30-plus home run power. This is a guy that was hitting 30-plus homers back in 2016 and 2017 before the ball became really juiced, right? So I think it's just a matter of staying healthy and being in a situation where he's not kind of steered toward the small side of a platoon. Uh, So if, if that happens, if he's more of an everyday sort of guy, I think he absolutely fits in those more shallow mixed formats. All right. Well, I did not get him. But a uh, follow-up from our last episode, I did get Andrew Benintendi in the 17th round. So I feel good about that. Uh, nice. So, uh, well, moving on to just a, a whole uh, plethora here of White Sox news. Uh, there, there was a press conference, as I, I mentioned uh, previously. And you know, I think the 
you know, the initial reason for that was that uh, the White Sox are making a change uh, manager, uh, both the team and Rick, Rick Renteria have uh, mutually agreed for him not to return as the team's manager. Also, Don Cooper, longtime pitching coach for the White Sox, credited for many of the successes uh, that they've had with their pitching staff. He is out as pitching coach. Uh, but a number of other things, too, uh, involving players. An update on uh, Nick Madrigal. He had surgery on his separated left shoulder, is expected to need five to six months of recovery time. So uh, possibly a late start to next year, uh, either chronologically or maybe just a slow start uh, coming back from the surgery. Uh, how do you look at Madrigal now, DVR, as compared to you know maybe back in the spring? Did he fulfill your expectations, um, exceed? Uh, is he somebody that you're you know, looking at outside of deeper leagues. I thought he'd run a little bit more, especially if you'd told me going into the season that Nick Madrigal would have a 376 OBP. But I'm looking at the underlying numbers, and those are kind of in line with my expectations. An 84-mile-per-hour average exit velocity, that to me is the biggest red flag in the profile because while he might be able to hit the ball all over the ballpark, I think he's got bottom-of-the-scale power. And if he's not going to run... More than a handful of times, I think he's kind of just a batting average steals guy who doesn't really score a ton and doesn't drive in a lot of runs. It's a really tough player to roster. I think he's almost limited to AL-only leagues for me, even though he was a prospect that people were chasing for a few years and keeper in dynasty formats. So I'm kind of out on Madrigal. Hope the shoulder heals up for him so he comes back and is completely healthy whenever his 2021 season begins. But I just don't see quite enough there to justify going after him, even with those really low strikeout rates uh, in most mixed leagues. All right, and we have an update on Garrett Crochet. We talked about him about a week or so ago uh, when there was the initial report of him having a forearm or elbow issue. That's been you know better defined at this point. Um, good, the very good news is that Crochet does not have UCL damage. He does have a flexor strain in his forearm. Uh, and further good news is that he is not expected to be limited in spring training. But DVR, when we talked about Crochet previously, you know you raised the point that maybe he gets stretched out as a starter next year. So does role make a difference here uh, for you as that develops for Crochet, given that it sounds like we're not going to have to worry about a health issue? you um or you know do you think that he's going to have value in in whether it's a relief role or a starting role next year i'm just a little worried that if he's a starter that maybe he goes down to double a or triple a for a little while before coming up and joining the white Sox rotation so i think that's the greater concern i think some people wonder if the secondary pitches are refined enough for him to have a lot of success getting through the order multiple times clearly the velocity is great and as a reliever, he could thrive immediately. He could be the best reliever in that bullpen on opening day in 2021 if that's the route they choose to go. So it's not that I'm not excited about him if he's a starter. It's just that I think we're going to have to be a lot more patient with him from a fantasy perspective. And that might lower my interest in redraft leagues, at least, if we were to get some sort of confirmation that they intend to stretch him out. Just because I think it comes with a lack of certainty about when exactly he gets that opportunity again at the big league level. Yeah, well, that's a, a obviously a legitimate thing to be uh, to be concerned about. Uh, another update here with one of the uh, White Sox prospects, Andrew Vaughn. Uh, he's expected to be a major contributor in 2021. I'm not sure that that really qualifies as a surprise. I think that's the track that uh, we we saw him on. But um, you know, given that that's been put out there, DVR, um, do you think that he is 12 team viable? I think he will be because I think he's a, a bat first sort of prospect and 
you know, you see what the White Sox uh, got from Edwin Encarnacion. It was definitely a lot less than I expected. I realize we're talking about a guy who was 37 years old, but that's an area that the White Sox can upgrade. You know, having Vaughn and Jose Abreu as opposed to the 2020 version of Encarnacion with Jose Abreu gives them one more really dangerous bat in their lineup on a regular basis. Uh, the only thing I'm really expecting for Vaughn, if he doesn't sign some sort of long-term deal, which I mean, he could easily go year to year and make a ton of money, they're probably going to hold him back for a couple of weeks when the 2021 season begins to preserve that extra year of service time before they install him as a regular in their lineup. All right, well, another uh, young player, a uh, future part of the White Sox core that was mentioned in that uh, press conference, Michael Kopech. Uh, Rakan said that Kopech is fully invested and ready for the 2021 season. And again, I don't know that that necessarily qualifies for news uh, just because Kopech opted out in 2020. I don't think anybody doubted his commitment uh, to 2021 and going forward. But it does raise a question. Um, how are you planning on evaluating players like Kopech, like David Price, Marcus Stroman, Lorenzo Cain, uh, Jordan Hicks, uh, who did uh, not only opt out, but missed the entire season as a result of that? I guess there's a few ways you could think about it, but I think of it as how would you think about these players if they missed the season with an injury that wasn't going to impact them the following year? You know, if if someone let's let's say a pitcher breaks his leg uh, in spring training and doesn't pitch all year, you're not really worried about that pitcher when the next season comes around so long as everything heals correctly, right? I mean, you're worried maybe about workload or some of the carryover effects of the lost time, but I think generally you're talking about guys who are rested from the time off, and as long as they go through normal off-seasons, like, they might all be kind of undervalued just because people are not thinking about them front of mind the way they would have been had they been out there in 2020 performing. So uh, Kane's one of those guys. If you're looking for cheap speed, I'm interested in him. I think David Price being a very experienced pitcher would know how to prepare and, and care for his arm during an extended down period of time. Kopech might be the most risky of all just because we really haven't seen it click for him at the big league level yet since he's so young and he was coming back from Tommy John surgery too. So you know, we haven't really seen a situation like this where someone's opted out of a season after coming off the major injury like that. Uh, so I do think you look at Kopech and you have sort of limited expectations for how the White Sox are going to push him, even if he's a member of that rotation from day one next season. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, TVR. Well, let's uh, go back to a conversation that we started on Monday's episode. We looked at some of the top rookie hitters from 2020. I uh, promised that we'd get to the pitcher. So let's do that now. I don't know that we're necessarily going to get through all of them, but at least we can continue that conversation. Uh, I put together a list of the top rookie pitchers in terms of F-War, Fangraph's War, and a couple of relievers making that list, and, and the particular relievers, not surprising, Devin Williams and uh, James Karinshack, and uh, you know, both will be very intriguing for next year, and both right now have roles that are 
not exactly clear. But if we stick with the starters, here's uh, who turned up on that list. Tony Gonsolin, Justice Justice Sheffield, Ian Anderson, Brady Singer, Sixto Sanchez, Randy Dobnak, Jesus Luzardo, Keegan Aiken, Davey Garcia, and JT Brubaker. Pretty interesting list. And much like the hitters, some names you definitely expected to see there and some names uh, that you probably didn't expect to see on a top 10 starter rookie starters list. So um, let's start with Sheffield because I think he's going to be a tough one to, to figure out. Uh, not a lot of whiffs, an 8% swinging strike percentage in 2020, but uh, really helped himself by allowing just two homers in 55 in the third innings, despite a pretty average exit velocity on flies and liners allowed. So kind of screams fluke, but do you see something there that, justifies um you know paying uh, paying a price that's commensurate with his 2020 performance i see more of a in and of the out of the lineup sort of starter for the back of a fantasy rotation i think the strikeout rate is still a tick on the low side so you're going to, have to be a little careful with the matchups in which you use justice sheffield i think it's also a question as to whether or not he's going to add any more velo because he was averaging 92 miles per hour on that fastball just kind of average at this point. Throws a ton of sliders, mixes in the changeup. So he has three pitches, which is nice. I just would like to see something more than what we're getting right now to raise the expectations beyond that of somebody who you maybe would stream mostly at home and occasionally on the road in 2021. Well, another pitcher who didn't you know get a ton of whiffs, although more more than Sheffield did, but succeeded by specializing in an area that isn't necessarily something that we, we look to in fantasy as uh, Brady Singer. He had the lowest uh, uh, zone swing percentage in the majors, 58.3%. I mean, that is exceedingly low, uh, which translated into a whole lot of called strikes. And that is something that does translate from year to year, although not necessarily as strongly as, as swinging strikes. So is that um, you know extreme demonstration of that particular skill something that would make you uh, more interested in Singer than maybe his his other peripherals would lead you to be? You know, it was something I wasn't aware of until you put it on the rundown for today. I think with Brady Singer, I was just impressed that he, he jumped multiple levels of the minor leagues to hold his own as a starter this year. That was not something I expected. I thought there'd be a good chance he'd struggle quite a bit, but you know, 406 ERA over 12 starts, kept the ball on the ground pretty effectively. You know, didn't walk the world, missed a decent number of bats. I think there's more more good than bad in the profile as a whole. And I would say that having that lowest zone swing percentage is just one more nudge that would lead me to take a chance on him late. I would say in terms of valuation, he's probably pretty comparable to Justice Sheffield for me, somebody that is not going to be in my lineup all the time in a mixed league, but someone that would be in there pretty often, especially in those home starts in Kansas City. All right, well, let's squeeze one more starter in here. We can certainly pick up more later on in the week, but let's talk a little bit about Sixto Sanchez. I mean, a lot of hype around him, but a, a couple of things are making me a little reluctant to um, you know to buy into the hype. Uh, one is just the track record in the minor leagues of being more of a ground ball pitcher than a swing and miss pitcher. And we saw a bit bit of that late uh, in the season with him. And his last three starts were not really all that great. Only eight strikeouts in 14 innings, nine walks. And walks were not a problem for Sanchez in the minor leagues. But uh, maybe more of a mixed record for him than um, you might think looking at, at some of the uh, the helium that's lifting him already this offseason. Uh, does that worry you at all? 
A little bit. I think the biggest concern, though, with Sanchez is going to be the price. I think because of the electric stuff, people are going to chase him pretty early. I think we've said this about other rookies, and I think this definitely applies to Sanchez, too. I'm not sure the league got enough looks at him to adjust. I think he was up for just enough time to sort of catch some teams off guard. And I think he's good, but I think the market is going to overcorrect to what everybody just saw from him overall during his rookie campaign. It just wouldn't surprise me if Sixto Sanchez gets priced up to the point where I don't have him on any of my teams when we kind of take a look back at 2021, but could see plenty of interest in him in keeper and dynasty formats. I could see him ending up my team beyond next season if the price normalizes. Um, I just see a little bit too much risk at the expected price to justify taking Sanchez uh, in early drafts I've seen at least. All right. And um, you know, just a footnote here too, um, that uh, you know, I rattled off the top 10 starters, uh, a couple of relievers that made it near the top of the uh, leaderboard. But um, you know, this list did not include Quang Hyung Kim, did not include Dane Dunning, Dean Kramer, uh, you know, a number of really good rookies, TJ Antone. So just a, a really good rookie class of pitchers this year. Uh, give us a lot to talk and think about uh, this offseason. Uh, but that's going to wrap things up for this episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. If you're enjoying this podcast on a platform that lets you leave a rating and a review, we'd greatly appreciate it if you take the time to do that. For Derek Van Riper, I'm Al Melkier, and we will return here on Wednesday. <laughs>